0: everybody and welcome back to the Rugged Identity Podcast. This is going to be episode four, which is actually episode three in our three-part series over our core values. Last week we sat down with my good friends Tanner and Hayden and we talked about what it means to work hard and talked about some hunting stories and it was really a good time. So if you missed that episode. I would definitely go ahead and go back and listen to that before you listen to this one. Or even episode two, because I really want you guys to grasp every single core value that we have here at Rugged Identity. But today, um, which being wrapping it up, will be our last core value, which is loving your neighbor and why that's important, what loving your neighbor means. And then I'm going to give you some practical steps on how to love your neighbor and what the Bible says about that. But today, we're going to be talking a little bit about something that I've seen all over Facebook a lot here lately, it seems like. It's always been something that's really a hot topic um, in the bow hunting community and just bow hunters in general but here lately it seems like i've seen a lot about conversations talking about broadheads you know do we want to use a fixed blade do we want to use an expandable what works best for you what fixed blade or expandable are you using what results are we getting what's the cut and everything so i just took six broadheads that i would recommend um i know i'm probably gonna get some shade on some of these and I'm not saying that no one's ever had a bad experience with any of these broadheads, but these are just some that I would recommend that I think would work really well, and most of these, actually all of these, I've at least shot into a target, so I can tell you how they fly. They all fly pretty good, um, but there's just some that I would recommend more than others, and then we're going to talk about what I chose to run this year. And This is, before we dive into this too, this is all for my compound, so with my longbow I'm still doing some testing on different things and I've got some stuff coming in that I'll be ordering here in a little bit. and. I haven't figured out really what I'm gonna run there yet that's kind of a totally different route than what this is because there's a lot more you can get away with the compound but let's go ahead and dive right into that so the first one I have wrote down here for expandable broadheads and I know I'm gonna get a lot of shade for this but realistically they're a good head and if you've had a bad experience with them I'm sorry but I'll be the first guy to say and I hope I don't step on too many toes but shot placement is key so as long as you make a good shot I think almost any broadhead you can buy now is it it's gonna do the job. Um, So the first one I have wrote down here is Rage Hypodermics. Now the Rage Hypodermics, the ones that I have shot into a target before or no collars. I wanted to see how these things were running and how they worked Um, and they shot really well. I know there's been a lot of people that have said hey the blades bend super easy. Um, they come apart, and they're not—they're not staying together in flight. I had a really bad arrow flight out of them, and I—I I, I personally think if you do everything that they say on these, and you follow the instructions, and you just—all you have to do is close them. There's no collar. You don't have to put a band or anything like that on them. Then I think you're going to be perfectly fine. Now I do see some issues you could run into if you hit bone or something like that, and that's kind of what we're going to get to later as far as why I choose spoiler alert why I choose a fixed blade over an expandable but absolutely if you hit a shoulder or something like that you may get a little bit of penetration but with an expandable especially a rage because the rage blades are a little bit thinner than some of the others you might experience some issues with that but overall they fly just like a field point they fly great that's one of the pros to an expandable broadhead so I would definitely recommend those um, for a guy if you're looking for an expandable broadhead that I think they'll do the job just fine I mean you look at guys like John Dudley with knock-on that's all he uses is a rage broadhead and that dude's killed everything under the sun so I would definitely give them a look but that's also brings me to my next point in the next broadhead is speaking of guys that have killed everything under the sun Levi Morgan he shoots schwacker broadheads I actually have killed a deer with a schwacker broadhead and let me tell you it bled really really good now the difference between these and the rages I think the blades are a little bit thicker um, they're a different design so the rages open up from the back they don't Come from the top and open down if that makes sense, which I like that a lot. I like how they open from the back. I feel like your penetration is a little bit better. With the Schwackers, you know, they do have a little bit of cut on those wings that hang out a little bit, but they have to open from the top and then flip down, which I can see sometimes if you're not shooting a very high poundage bow that you may run into some problems with penetration on that because that obviously is going to slow down that momentum a little bit whenever they're opening from the top to the bottom. And the ones that I did shoot were two inch and I did not see a difference in grouping at all um, with my bow compared to the rages. They both flew very well. If you're someone that's super confident in your shot placement and stuff like that, then these are two really good options. But once again, I mean, if you're gonna hit bone or you make a little bit of an off shot, um, if you hit deeper into the body, you'll probably be okay with these just because, I mean, they have a two inch cut. So you're gonna cut something up. You might, you have a better chance of hitting hitting somewhere that's going to make a kill shot but if you hit anywhere far forward or if you hit anywhere that's hard bone like on the leg or anything like that then you're probably going to run into some issues Um, and then the next broadhead that I wrote down is the sever now the sever has gained a lot of popularity in the past couple of years because they have a this design I don't I don't want to say because I don't want it to be wrong but what it does is when the blades come out they lock And when they lock, it swivels around. So if you were to hit a shoulder or something like that, say the left blade hits a shoulder, it will actually come back into the ferrule of that broadhead and then the right side will poke out more. And then once it keeps going farther in, it opens back up. So it's like it doesn't really ricochet off a bone as much. It kinda just goes through it or goes around it almost, if that makes sense. So those are really interesting. I shot those out to a target too. And I think those shot amazing. Now, granted, you may experience some differences because obviously, yes, they are very small and they do expand out. That's what makes them great about an expandable is their flights amazing and you can get away a lot with stuff that's not as tuned, but you may experience some differences on your shot pattern and stuff like that if your bow is not tuned. So that's the number one thing. Before you even test any of these guys, you just need to make sure your bows not just paper tuned. I mean, paper tuned should be, everyone should paper tune their bow. But paper tuning is just a starting point. There's a lot of guys that'll go paper tune their bow and be like, well, shooting bullet holes, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, well, you're standing back like five foot from the, from the piece of paper into the target. You need to walk back tune your bow, French tune, whatever you need, want to call it, which is a different process. And we could go into great length about that. And if that's something that you guys want to hear more about and learn more about is different ways to tune your bow and how to really get it fine-tuned and dialed in absolutely perfect I would love to cover that topic so leave that in the descriptions or you have my email it's actually on episode two in the descriptions email me and tell me you know what you guys want to hear if that's something you guys want to hear then we'll definitely cover that in the next couple of episodes but that wraps up the um, expandables that's the three options I chose for those because I think those are three of the most popular um, expandable broadheads right now I'm not saying there's others out there that aren't super popular um, there's a lot and actually I got an email today if anyone's in this is a little bit off topic if anyone's in NASCAR Afflictor Broadheads they make expandables they're kind of like a hybrid head a lot of theirs um, never tested them never really used them but I'm bad about somehow entering in giveaways and I get emails from a million different companies trying to sell me stuff but they have a sweepstakes going on right now that if you want to uh, enter that you might get some free NASCAR tickets and Every redneck that loves to hunt and fish and learn about the Lord, you know, NASCAR's in that, in that category. So if you want some free NASCAR tickets, you might go sign up for that. But let's go ahead and dive into uh, my bread and butter right here, which is the fixed blade broadheads. And I am a huge proponent of fixed blade broadheads because, like I said, I mean, if you make a poor shot with a, a um expandable, you may be fine in certain sentences because they have a larger cut so if you don't hit bone you may be okay but if you hit bone you're in trouble um, and so the three that I chose are three broadheads that I also felt like were three of the most popular broadheads out right now two of them for sure one of them is just one that I've used and I think has been around for a long time And a lot of guys use them and still love them they're just original old muzzy broadheads and we'll get to that here in a minute but the first one that i chose on this list number one which i feel like is the most popular broadhead and i would say as my wife would say these are bougie broadheads because they are expensive and they're actually gone up in their price recently which i noticed because i was looking at stuff to write down and i'm doing some studying on them last night that was iron wheels now i will say iron wheels are some of the toughest broadheads you can get like from an engineering standpoint i've listened to so many podcasts and youtube videos um I can't remember the guy's name, the owner of Iron Will. He just, he's just—he's a super smart guy. I think he works with like uh, engineering for planes and flight patterns and stuff like that. I don't know what you really want to call it, but he, he's a really smart guy, and obviously it's worked out well for him. There's been numerous people like Aaron Snyder who have killed, I think it's like over 30 big game animals with these, and he swears up and down by Iron Will, and a lot of guys do because of the tonto tip they have on them. They really cut deep. Um, they're a good cut on contact head. They come super sharp and they're going to blow through just about anything you hit. I love these broadheads. I shot them for a while and I shot them in a targets and they shot pretty good. The one thing I will say is your bow has to be tuned absolutely perfect for these to fly well out to distance. And to me, distance would be about 50 yards and out or around 50 yards. You're going to get away with a lot of stuff if your bow is, bow is tuned somewhat at all. But these iron wheels, how I would describe it, and I've heard people say this before, is if you're carrying like a big picture or a cardboard box or something, and the wind's blowing really hard outside, when it hits the side of that box, it's gonna blow you one way or the other. Um, obviously, and that's kind of like these iron wool broadheads. You know, out to distance, there comes a certain point, which I'm not saying they don't fly good. If your bow's tuned perfect, you're not going to experience a whole lot of issues. But I think I had some tweaking to do on my bow just a little bit. They still shot good. I mean, I still hunted with them and I felt comfortable making a shot. I just knew where to hold um, to make that shot right or left or which way the wind was blowing. I just kind of had it in my mind where I needed to aim. But when they turn, when they're flat, they're fine. But every time they turn sideways, they get that planing effect when the wind hits, they can be pushed around a little bit. So they have, they have a little bit of room for error. Um, they're great heads. They come in a bunch of different categories. I say a bunch, it's like four or five. Um, I wrote down a couple here. They have a wide series, which is gonna be two and an eighth inch total cut, which is the, all the way around. Um, and then their bleeder blades are three fourths of an inch up, and then they have one and three eighths inch on their main blades. Now, the bleeder blades, you can get with or without bleeder blades. Um, I personally like those. I've heard in podcasts and everything else that they saying, and it makes a lot of sense. That kind of just unzips it. So if you just have a slit in there, as that deer's running, you know, it can close up, and that blood's not going to really come out a ton. It's still going to come out. Um, if you're shooting, like, a big-game animal in Africa, and that's kind of your thing, then you may want to get some without bleeder blades because they're going to penetrate a lot better. Um, even though it's not a whole lot more cut but those bleeder blades are going to kind of cut vertically and it's just going to unzip that skin just a little bit more to help that blood come out and then they also besides the wides now the wides are good and they advertise those you know for hunting out of a tree standing 40 yards and in but they also have solids they have um, single bevels and then they have vented heads and the solids and vented heads from everything I've seen they fly about the same Um, the vented are going to be just a little bit loud they have a little bit of a hiss to them just because, you know, obviously their vented air is going to get in those holes and kind of make some noise. And then the solids are, which you would think, they don't have vents in them, they're the same exact head. They're an inch and a sixteenth on the main blade and then the bleeder blades are the same as the wides and they're three-fourths of an inch. And then they also have single bevels and I've always been interested in single bevels just because a single bevel, what it does is it's sharpened on one side, it's not sharpened on both sides of the blade. Um, But what happens is when that hits an animal, it keeps on going, it spins as it's going. It doesn't hit and stop and just completely go straight. It's spinning as it's going. You can imagine that causes a lot of damage. And so I'm really interested about those. I'd really like to shoot those and get some in my hand, but I just haven't done that yet. And the cool thing about these is if you're a bow tuning junkie like I am, then you've probably fletched your arrows in a left helical because that's the way the arrow naturally wants, wants to spin. Um, some guys still do right. I know John Dudley still does right and he has some success. So I can't say it's a big difference. I mean, if your bow's not tuned perfectly and you're not an amazing shot, if you're good, even, you may not know. Sorry, guys, I just got cut off. I'm going to give a big shout out to Tanner Literal, one of my best friends, for stinking calling me and interrupting this podcast. Now I had to stop and I'm restarting. But what I was saying, they have um, single bevel broadheads. And like I said, they're cut on one side and they keep moving through the animal. They spin as they go. They don't just stop and go straight through, which causes a lot of damage. Um, now back to my point about left helical and arrows, if you put a right bevel broadhead on a left helical vein to arrow, that arrow flight's not going to be the best because it's contradicting itself when it's trying to spin certain ways. Those bevels on those broadheads will naturally want to make that arrow spin a certain way. And so if your veins are trying to steer the arrow the other way, then obviously you can see you can run into issues. But they actually came out with a left bevel broadhead that I'm very, very interested in. And those will help the arrow spin the same way. Um, I see... I could see how, you know, they'd pick up some speed on the spin too, which may slow down the arrow just a little bit. I really don't know. Um, But they would help out a ton, and I'm really interested in those heads. So those are some great ones that you may want to check out. Option number two, I think, of some of the most popular fixed blade broadheads on the market right now are Muzzy four blades. Now, I say Muzzy four blades. I've actually killed a deer with Muzzies. They've been around for a long time. I want to say, like, the 80s, I think, they came out. They've been around for a long time, and a ton of people have had success with them. I know Cameron Haynes, he actually shoots Iron Will now, but he has shot for a long time Muzzy Broadheads. They're just a head that's not super fancy. I mean, they're not gonna be super flashy and catch your eye, they're just your generic of what you would think when you see a broadhead. But they kill animals every single year, hundreds of people, thousands probably, are smoking deer with Muzzy Broadheads and still getting the job done. I mean, I remember whenever I was in middle school and. You just start bow hunting. Well, that's when I started bow hunting. You know, you go to pick out broadheads, and that's one of the coolest things to buy because you're looking at them thinking, man, those look mean. You know, <laughs> what can I get? It looks like it's going to kill something. And every time I'd turn on the TV, that's Matthews is still an insanely popular company, but it seemed like every TV show I would turn on on the outdoor channel would say, Matthew Solo Cam, catch us if you can. You probably remember those commercials. And they would always be shooting muzzy broadheads. That just seemed like a super, super popular Back in the day, and they still are popular. There's so many options out there now that um, they may be falling behind just a little bit. But the coolest thing about muzzies is when you get them, I thought it was cool anyway when I was younger, whenever I'd buy them the ferrule comes in a package and then the other side of the package is the blades and so i'd be telling my buddies what'd you do last night i'm like oh i just built some broadheads (laughs) you know that just sounds cool that's kind of like how i like trad hunting stuff you know there's so much diy stuff that you can do and you can really dive deep into that and there's something that just makes you feel accomplished about putting something together even though it it's not any different than if they were just to ship them already put together and some of them they do now i think they have like a muzzy one broadhead which is a solid one piece they're pretty cool looking i haven't tested them out at all but muzzy broadheads are good they've been around for a long time and they've killed a lot of deer and now the last um option that i wrote down and these have gained a lot of ground and a lot of attention over the past couple years whenever they came out is the annihilator broadheads and i can speak personally about these because i have killed um, a couple deer with annihilators and for the past couple of years what i've been running with those is the originals now when you take these out of the package everyone talks about how skeptical they are and i was the exact same way when you take them out of the package i mean the cutting diameter is 0.91 it's not even an inch and it looks like a little bitty filled point with the edges on it And you're thinking this i don't know about this this is this looks like a recipe for disaster. This doesn't look like it's gonna take a deer. I mean, I feel like I'm gonna shoot a deer with this and not be able to find it, and it's just gonna be a mess. And so, before I shot them, you know, like a lot of people do, I did a bunch of research and videos of people testing them out and how they had results in the past with like field staff guys they had chosen, you know, before they right before they released them to test them out and see how they worked. And let me tell you, for a little bitty head. Holy cow, they hit like a freight train. And I'm talking that one of the deer that I shot, one of my one of my good buddies, Hunter, was with me when I shot it. And granted, it was a close shot and it was a smaller deer, um, but I smoked this thing. And it ran maybe 15, 20 yards and it piled up and it acted like it had just been hit by a truck. I mean, it was loud when it hit it, the hole on the thing, even for a .91 circumference cut of a broadhead left a gaping hole like almost to the point if it wouldn't got filled up by other organs and stuff I probably could have seen to the other side (laughs) it was crazy but the thing about these I will say the only complaint that I had was if you are hunting somewhere where it's very very thick the blood trail on these broadheads and they'll even tell you this they're not going to be not going to be crazy now i will say like if you hit a major artery or something like that then yeah blood's going to come out no matter what you shoot it with um so it's really comes down to shot placement but for the most part the blood on these are pretty weak but the pro to this that's the con but the pro to these is that they normally die within sight and they advertise that and it's 100 percent true i mean if you're skeptical about it i'm just telling you from firsthand experience they're going to die quick so what happens is they have a wedge on these broadheads it's like a scoop And so it's not just three slits, it punches a hole. And you can go on their website and they actually have like a little pamphlet on their website, if you want to call it that. And it kind of breaks down what it does. I mean, it creates a big air pocket that pumps through there. It's kind of a, um, being like hit with a gun, you know, it just, it puts a lot of pressure in their body and that's kind of what kills them. And whenever I cut this deer open, everything in it was like jell o acted like it had been shot with a stinking 50 cal, it was insane but they did come out with some XLs and the XLs are the same thing as the originals. They're obviously just bigger and that's what I bought for this year. Now the originals fly absolutely just like field points. Um, The XLs, I will say there was a little bit of difference in the flight pattern when you get to distance, which means when you get for these, I would say around 60 yards, I noticed a little bit of drop, not a whole lot, but I took my bow in, you know, I got it tuned a little bit better because guys, if I can't stress anything enough, just because you get your t- bow tuned before season starts, you need to be checking that thing periodically because things can happen. I mean, you're hunting, you're going to be rough on your stuff. You need to be tuning your bow and checking everything almost every single time you get back from hunting. That's that's what I would say. I know that sounds like a little bit of overkill, but that's, just, that's what I do because I want to make sure everything's perfect and be the most ethical hunter I can be. And that's a whole other story. Um, but back to what I'm saying, the XLs drop a little bit. But once I got my bow tuned, um, again, I tweaked a couple things. They flew perfect, just like my field points. I don't know. Um, I know my draw length probably has a little bit to do with that. I'm shooting a little bit over 70 pounds, and I have a 30-and-a-half-inch draw. So that's obviously going to play a factor in this. But I think if you have a shorter draw, if you're around that 29-inch mark and up, I think you're going to be completely fine out the distance. Now, if you're hunting from a stand and you're going to say, all my shots are 40 and in, you're golden. I mean, you're going to be money. I would definitely shoot the XLs, and I would not. um, I think you could kill anything in the world with these. I mean, you could take them to Africa. You could go kill a caribou. You could do anything. I think these heads are money. And the coolest thing about them is they're one solid piece. So the muzzies, you know, they attach to each other, and then the iron wheels pretty much are a solid piece. They just have those blades that connect to the ferrule, and it's one solid piece for the blades, and they're tough as nails. But these um, annihilators the way you sharpen these is the easiest broadhead I've ever sharpened too. you just lay them on a flat stone and go back and forth i mean and they're sharpened up in a couple of seconds it's that's the best part about them so if you buy one pack i know they're some people would say they're a little bit expensive i want to say i think they're about 65.99 for the xls but if you take care of these heads i mean you could shoot these for years i mean you can shoot them through a brick wall take them off sharpen them up and they're still good to go so it's kind of a buy once cry once the kind of thing um so that wraps up the The topic on broadheads, like I said, I'm shooting the Annihilator XLs this year. I'd go ahead and give them a try. They're a really, really good head. But we're going to go ahead and get down to the meat and potatoes once again of what we're here to talk about at Rugged Identity, which is one of our core values, and that's loving your neighbor. Now, loving your neighbor, it says in Scripture, is the second most most important command um, that there is. And obviously, the first is what our first core value was, and I... I recommend you guys go back and listen to that, which is all about following Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 39, it says, The first of these is love the Lord with all your heart, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So loving your neighbor as yourself is not always the easiest thing, and that's why I think it's so important that we touch on this topic is because especially the day and age that we live in, I mean, there's a lot of different and viewpoints on a lot of different things. A lot of people feel hurt. A lot of people feel attacked by the church. And we are the church. The church isn't a physical building. The church is who we are as the body of believers. And I want you guys to understand that loving your neighbor cannot just impact one person. But if you impact one person, it could change a family. It could change generations and it could change so many people's life just because of your obedience to Christ, because we know being obedient is doing what the Lord says and the Lord says go and be disciples of all nations and that is loving your neighbor to the core. Um, But here's six steps to loving your neighbor and I want you guys to really grasp these because no one of these is more important than the other but they all play hand in hand and you need every single one of these steps to love your neighbor. If you leave one out you, you can do the rest but it still may not get to them because these steps are core are to the core and very vital of what we need to loving your neighbor. And number one on this list is kindness. The reason I say kindness is because you never know what is going on in someone's life. I mean somebody could be you know a little bit hateful to you or something could be going wrong and they're not talking the nicest and they're just not the funnest person to be around. (laughs) We all know those people that sometimes there's been seasons of life that they're just not fun to be around. It's not very enjoyable. They're a little bit negative. They're a little bit rude and things like that. But kindness is so so important because they may not have anything else good and kind and loving going on in their life right now. Kindness is important because people need that. People need to feel loved. People need to know that there's support around them, and we'll get into that deeper here in a little bit. But the biggest part of this is the day and age that we live in, People will put things on social media and they're always gonna present themselves the best they possibly can. They're only gonna show the good moments. How I would describe social media and what I tell a lot of people, you know, because there's a lot of kids that are in the 20s and their teens, high school, middle school, even college-age kids, even adults really, that it's an issue for them to be on social media because they see all these great things going on in people's lives around them. And they're thinking, man, my life sucks. My life is not near as good as this person. And they start comparing and comparing will kill anything special going on in your life. And that's a topic that we could talk about for hours. But comparison is really hard. So what I want to get across is social media only shows the good. There are certain cases where social media shows the bad. And social media is also really rough because anything that you put on social media that is against what someone else's believes, they will try to cancel you. And I'm big on that right now because I'm just started reading, um, the book written by Phil Robertson. I would highly recommend this book. It's really, it's called uncanceled. Um, it's talking about cancel culture and how to be a Christian in the time that we live in. But it's really about loving people. It's really about loving your neighbor and it ties perfectly into this. People will get on there. I mean, if you post scripture and you talk about things or you're, You're stating your beliefs, whether it be right, wrong, indifferent, doesn't matter. There's going to be somebody on there that will bash you so hard, and people will comment so many negative things when you're just trying to be positive. And it's easily done by us Christians, as well as everybody else, to get back and fire back at them. You know, get on there and say something back because you have to win the argument. I'm so bad about this, and I will admit this. If someone has something negative to say to me, oh, I'm going to win. I'm competitive, not just in sports, not just hunting, but every area of my life, I'm going to be a, I'm a stinking winner, you know? And so if someone says something negative, my first reaction is want to get back on there and fire back at them and make a comment and then sit back and say, I got you, I won. But in reality, is that what we should do as Christians? Absolutely not. That's not loving your neighbor at all. Loving your neighbor, even sometimes just saying, hey, we agree to disagree. I see what you're saying. I'm praying for you, and I will take that into consideration. And just loving on them, talking to them, so social media is a big platform for us as Christians to love your neighbor, to not really buy into that cancel culture, um, and just shine the light, be a positive influence on everyone that's around us, whether it be in person or on social media. And this brings me to my second point, which is um, the next step out of our six, which is compassion. Now, compassion is an action. Compassion isn't just empathy, sympathy, any of those things. Compassion is an action. Compassion. As being there for somebody there's all we've all had times in life where we just wanted somebody to step in somebody to be there you know God puts people in our lives God is enough on his own yes Jesus is enough yes it's enough but the Lord created human beings for relationships for reasons And God can use people. He can work through them. It's not just them alone. It's not just their words. It's not just their actions. It's just not their presence. God uses people. He works through them. So there's been numerous times in my life where I've gone through some hard things that if I did not have people around me in my life, I don't know how it would have ended up. I don't know what I would have went on to do or anything like that. But have compassion. Have compassion for people. Be there for the people that you care about. Even when you don't agree with some things that are going on in their life, I know sometimes it can be really hard and you can almost feel beat up because you're trying so hard and someone may be doing something that's completely opposite of what you're trying to help. Be there and show compassion. Be that love of Christ for them. And just love on them. Be be a Christian what we're called to do. Number three on this list is service. And when I think of service, when I think of loving your neighbor, um, I think about in Scripture when it says, the Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man came to serve others. And recently, I say recently, it was about a year ago, my wife now, um, her hometown experienced some flooding and it damaged a lot of people. Um, It really shook their life. It shook some people's faith. You know, there's people that lost loved ones. We heard some crazy stories about... You know, people having to be rescued from the floods and people dying and people just a lot of crazy things that are very, very emotional, you know, when you're there and you're hearing about them and seeing the tears in people's eyes and just how much it affected these people. And you get down there and you're thinking, okay, because when we got there, we had we showed up kind of on the tail end of things. And so in your mind, and this isn't right, you shouldn't think this way, but the way I'm thinking is... Yeah, I'm pumped up I'm ready to serve these people. I'm ready to help them, ready to show them how much we love them and love our neighbor and serve them and be there for them. But we're coming at the tail end, so the whole front wave has already gone through. And I'm thinking, man, they probably already done most of the work. We're kind of just showing up. And am I really going to make that much of an impact? Because they're probably going to have most of the work done. We're showing up at the end. I mean, what's there left to do? I mean, they've already had so many encounters with other great people that are helping them. I don't know how much of a difference this is really going to make. And, man, was I wrong. Um, Kaylee, my wife's dad, actually got up at the end, and he had tears in his eyes, and he shared that verse about the Son of Man not coming to be served but to serve others and just knowing how much of an impact we made. You know, we helped clean out a grocery store. I'm just going to be honest. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was nasty because all the floodwaters had got into, like, where they kept the steak and the meat and stuff like that, and it was all rotted, and we had to get in there and clean it out shout out to Kenny for climbing in there if you're listening to this and clean all that stuff out by himself I was crazy (laughs) props to you bro but um, service is one of the greatest things that we can do um, to love others and this brings me to the next point which is sharing and they're thinking sharing yeah we learned that as kids now sharing is when we get adults can be much harder you know as a kid you don't want to share the toy but when you're an adult There's a lot of times we have blessings that we don't even realize. Like the other day, you know, I'm going through my closet and I'm thinking, geez, this is ridiculous. I don't have very much room to hang up any more clothes. And I'm thinking, holy cow, there's so many people out there that don't, that wish they had another shirt to wear. I mean, there's a lot of homeless in the Oklahoma City area and it breaks my heart. They don't have what they really need. And I have more that I could even want. And the Lord says, we shall not want, but we should share. Um, and in Luke th- chapter three verse 11, it says, "If you have two shirts, share it with the poor. if you have food, share it with those who are hungry. The blessings that we receive for the Lord are not meant for us to store up for ourselves, but they're made for us to share with others. You know They're made for us to give to those who need it. Some people need it more than us, and we may have this mindset of, oh, we want, we need this stuff. We don't really need what we think we need. You know, we could live on a lot less than what we do in the culture that we live in. Um, We're very, very fortunate and very blessed. And I firmly believe that the blessings that we have in our life are not meant for us just to store it for ourselves, but to hang on to those and disperse it out amongst the people that need it more than we do because we are called to love on people and care for them and share what we have. And sharing our things sometimes, even the material things, um, is sharing the love with Christ with those around us. Um, the next point here is discipleship. Now, discipleship's been really big on my heart um, because I have had numerous encounters here. Like, it's been crazy since this podcast has started. I didn't know how really it was going to take off, and last episode really took off, and we got a lot more views than I really thought that I would hardly ever get. Um, it's really blown up quite a bit, um, which means there's been more people coming to the um into our path that are hearing about Jesus that are hearing about certain things. I mean, there's been people I believe that are probably listening to this. Their mind even be shifting about what they think about hunters and what they think about hunting and they may not see it so bad now and stuff like that. Um, but I had, and I don't, I'm not going to share names because this is pretty confidential, but I've had somebody, you know, reach out to me and talking to me that believes in something that does not line up with Christianity, you know, um, they are not a born-again believer, I would say that in a sense. They, uh, they believe in other doctrine and other beliefs, other religion. Um, that's, that's not Christianity, and they're not on the same path as what we are. Um, and I've been very, very blessed to be able to you know, have conversation and engage with this person. And even though they may not be super accepting of it, It's just planting that seed, you know, discipleship. That's the one thing that always sticks out in my mind. When it says God calls us to do something, God has called us to be disciples of all nations. And discipling somebody and sharing the love of the Lord with somebody, that's the greatest thing that we can do. You know, that's as Christians our role and our goal in life and what we should be doing every day, like I said. Sundays should not be a job. Sundays are when we get to be with our body of believers. Now, granted, we are welcoming those who do not believe, who may come into the church for the first time and hear Jesus. We are discipling them too. But Sundays is our rest day. Sundays is is the day to come rest in the house of the Lord because every day we should be working our tails off to represent our Heavenly Father and show love to everyone else around us. They should see something so much different about us than everyone else that's around us because we have something so extraordinary, which is the love of Christ. We have Him in our heart, and we are living our life for Him and not for ourselves like the world. But discipleship is so huge. I mean, even this podcast, like, it blows my mind to see the response and the grasp that we've had from people just from the first, I don't know, three or four episodes. Um I'm very, very fortunate and blessed, and this is something I've prayed about for a long time, and I thank you so much to everyone that's listening to this right now. But this is discipleship, and that doesn't mean you need to go start a podcast. That just means, hey, one of my biggest things that I do that I love so much that I've started here recently, um, people will just, you know, anywhere, in grocery store, anything, when you walk in, like a greeter or someone at the cash register will say, hey, how you doing? I say, well, I'm going to heaven, so I'm doing really good. And it catches people off guard because you, you don't hear that very often, like, going to heaven. Sounds pretty good. And you would be amazed at how many times that just sparks the conversation of, well, what do you mean? Well, going to heaven, huh? Really? And then you can elaborate and you can go on on that. That's discipleship. That's sharing the love of Jesus. That's what we are called to do. And then the the last of these, (coughs) excuse me, the last of these is forgiveness. Forgiveness can be one of the biggest roles in loving your neighbor because forgiveness is probably the hardest thing to do. Like I said, People on social media the way they may say things about you it's way easier to get behind a keyboard and a screen than it is to come to your face and say something negative it just is and that happens a lot and I see that almost every time I get on social media and it breaks my heart to see how we're not loving each other even if people aren't Christians we're we should just be loving people you know um, forgiveness can be tough there's people that have been through some extraordinarily hard things I mean, just, just naming out the big ones, and I know this may put some knots in people's stomach, but think about things like, I mean, divorce. Think about things the people being abused. Think about people just treating you wrong. Think about you going to a job maybe and you have a boss that just treats you like garbage every single day. Forgiveness is tough and there's so many cases that I'm not saying forgiveness is gonna be easy because there's some people that may be hearing this that's saying, how can you tell me to forgive because you have no idea what I've been through? And you're right, and I don't. And I just want to say I'm sorry for what you've had to go through in your life. But I also want to say, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, you can use that story for something so much better, and you can impact so many people because of what you've been through. And even when you don't feel like it, Jesus is walking alongside you through everything in your life that you've been through, and he loves you, and he cares for you. And this brings me to my next point, Jesus is with you you may be thinking you have no idea what I've done in my life you have no idea what I even did last night or a week ago you have no idea how messed up I am and I feel like I'm trapped in this sin and I feel like I can't get out and I've got so much messed up stuff but no matter how much I try to run away from it I always find myself back in the same spot let me tell you something there's a Jesus that's so much greater than all of those things and if you're sitting there thinking, well, I got to figure it all out. You know, I want to let go of these sins and I want to figure it out and then I'll come to Jesus. I don't feel worthy right now. Well, if you're waiting to get it all right, then you're dismissing the cross because the cross did not happen. Jesus not, did not die. He did not, God did not send his son down the cross for your sins. He sent his son down the cross for your sins because, you know, why? Because we are sinners. He didn't say, hey, I'm here waiting for you. I want to give you the best life ever and walk beside you. I want to take control of your life and make you brand new after you figure it out. No, he says, I want to meet you right here, head on where you are. He said, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you so much. If you're tired of running from that, if you're tired of waking up every day and you're like, I really can't get a grip on it. I don't know what's going on in my life, but something's just not right. And I feel like I'm going through the motions and I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean you're going to die one day. It's inevitable. Everyone in this world eventually will experience blood. And what I mean by that is everyone eventually will die. We're not immortal, okay? We're human beings. And everyone, I think, has experienced somebody in their life has passed away. Well, that's eventually going to happen to you one day. And I know in your head, you have to be thinking, one day that's going to happen. You can't outrun that. You can outrun a lot of things in life. You can try to outrun Jesus. You can run away from Jesus so much. But he's your shepherd. You know what that means when he's your shepherd? That means you're a part of his flock. And if he has a hundred sheep, and we hear this, and I've heard this, and it's in Scripture, you know, and <laughs> I'm trying to get the right words, guys, because it really tugs at my heart. What I'm trying to say is, you are that one, okay? If he has a hundred sheep, and there's ninety-nine that are right there in front of him, that he can see, that are safe, that he knows as long as he's right there that everything is okay. But one of them runs away. You don't know what's going on in your life. You keep falling to temptation you know there's probably something out there, but you're saying, I, I don't want to live this life of following rules and doing this checklist. I feel like I'm, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to lose everything, and I'm going to have to restart. And what are my friends and my family going to think? And I can't do that. I can't give up that much. It's too much of a sacrifice. The sacrifice has already been made. Nothing we do for him is a sacrifice. The sacrifice was him coming down and dying the most gruesome death on a cross. Before you were born, he said, I knew he knew who you were. He loves you that much. You know, we can't hardly even say sometimes we we love somebody because we can't forgive them and they've hurt us. Jesus lays out simply what we should do in life, and we shall not sin, and we do anyway. And you know what? He wiped all that clean because when you accept Christ, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just like when Jesus died and he was raised again on the third day, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you are made new. You're completely new. And the thing is, it works is not gonna what gets you to heaven. So if you think that's just a checklist all the time, yes, you when you are saved though, it, it's different because You have all these things that you know are right and wrong, but you love the Lord and you are in Him and in His Word and in prayer so much. That's what you want to do. It's not I have to, it's I want to. I want to follow Him. I'm going to give everything I have to Him. But back to the sheep and the shepherd. If you're that one that runs away, He will leave that 99 to find you. And He will pick you up and put you on His shoulders and bring you home. Because as humans, we're not to live the life of this world. We're to live a life for Him. And I'm not saying your life's gonna get easier and there's not gonna be temptation. Absolutely, there is. Because if the devil is attacking you right now, that's because he does not want heaven to grow bigger. He does not want the kingdom of God to be larger. He does not want you there. He wants you right where he's got you. I just want you to tell you today, it costs absolutely nothing. Everything in this world costs something, but this costs nothing he paid it all your debt is free it's removed you are loved so much he cares for you so much and i cannot stress that enough Is that it's just one step away it's one decision away it's just one decision away but guys i just want you to know go back to episode two and i'll drop it in this episode two i'm going to drop my email and the link it's going to be in the description below email me with any questions that you may have. Email me regarding anything about the Lord, whether it's not even about loving your neighbor or any of this. If you just have a question about anything, email me. I would love to talk with you, and I love you guys and I'm here for you, and I appreciate you tuning in this week. Now, next week is going to be super special because my dad is going to be hopping on a podcast with us, old Papa Blackwell. <laughs> it's going to be great because if anyone has taught me how to be a man of God and how to have a rugged identity, it is him. And we're going to be covering a topic that is going to hit home for a lot of people and is going to be really beneficial for those who do. And even if you don't believe and have not given your life to Christ yet, that's okay. We want to keep inviting you back here to Rugged Identity, so hop back on next week that episode is going to be why we don't like religion but we love relationship because there's a difference between religion and relationship and we want you to understand that religion is not what we're here for we are here for relationship with people and most importantly relationship with our heavenly father and that's going to wrap up this episode guys remember to tune back to last episode and then tune in next week because we've got some crazy good stuff coming for you i appreciate you all you guys and just remember as we sign off stay rugged and know who your identities are